Hey, Ryan. Mm. Guess what? What? Boo! Oh my god, no! Oh no! No, I, no! I hope no, I didn't no. startle you too much. I'm going to need you very coherent <laughs> for what's to come because it's our Infinity Rewatch Halloween special. Can you do an evil Vincent Price laugh for me? Or just an evil Super Bowl <laughs> laugh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There you go, kids. Record that. You got yourselves a, a free ringtone. <laughs> That's right. There you go. Yeah, Halloween. We finally made it all the way around to a Halloween episode. I can't even remember when, like, the first day we started. I feel like it was, like, a spring day. So this may be, like, our second Halloween episode. But it's hard to keep track, to be honest with you. It is hard to keep track. I'm pretty sure you're right, though. I'm pretty sure it's our second Halloween episode. The first one was something with villains. I think we did something like our... Our, our top uh, villains we want to see or something like that. Um, yeah, oh, yeah, no, top villains we wanted to see in the MCU. Yes, yes. that's the one we yes. recorded at your place. Um, mm. And I, I think that's when you brought up Dracula. Uh, and it's now we're kind of halfway there. Um, but yeah, it's our, our second big Halloween special. And for the first time ever, Marvel had a Halloween special. So it kind of worked out really fortuitously for us uh and i'm i'm really excited for for this whole special because halloween ryan i don't know about you but halloween just fills me with all the feels i really love this time of year uh this october i i have gone overboard i am every day in october so far i have watched at least one either halloweeny movie or scary movie uh and i'm still keeping up to that after we finish recording tonight i'm gonna put something on because i haven't done my october 27th yet but you are the biggest fan in the world of horror uh you cannot <laughs> stop talking about horror <laughs> oh yeah no i can't i can't stand horror i really can't i don't like it at all unless it's unless it's like an action comedy horror some type of some type of action element to it uh, my best example like i guess my favorite horror movie if you will is either um army of darkness uh, which is like, just buckle up, because that's just a, a, a mystical horror movie film experience. And then my other one would definitely be like Ghostbusters. And that's about as that's about as horror as I get. That's as horror as you get. What's the yeah. scariest movie you've ever seen? Okay, there's kind of like a two two answers to this is um for me is paranormal activity has gotten me the biggest response out of me in terms of like haunting my dreams and nightmares. Um, and then the second one, the second kind of like just creepy film is uh, exorcism. The the last exorcism of Emily Rose, that messed me up. Too. I remember that one. Um, I, I think I agree with you, man. I'm in the exact same boat. The, the paranormal activity one was the, scariest one i've ever seen i lost way too much sleep from that movie uh yeah. i never went back to that well again um i love me a good horror but i do draw the line and the line starts right around there um, <laughs> <laughs> so, well here's the thing like because like for me it's how they get you it's how they make you think about dark areas in your house and everything and exactly. my old house my old house is is got a long lot of long hallways but at the end of the long hallways is like a mirror. So, you know, you'll see like a shadowy figure when you turn 
Because I don't know if you remember my old house, but it had like the stairs to the side door, and then you go up another set of stairs, and that uh -huh. leads you to the kitchen slash my parents' room. Yeah. Right. So on both ends of the hallway, there are mirrors, and and at night you can't really see really well, so it's just like you just see a shadowy reflection. And then the other worst part about it is, is like when you hear the possession happening or like when the demon's in the room kind of thing, um, they kind of had the same noise as a furnace turning on. And I just so happened to sleep beside a furnace that would happen to go on during the witching hour. So, yeah, I the first night I could not sleep and thus watch three Disney movies back to back. None of your none of your like, I'm just going to randomly watch a Disney movie. No, we're talking Hercules, Aladdin, and the Lion King to get over that. We're talking top three quality here. Ooh, those are good ones. I watched Dumb and Dumber after Paranormal Activity. I, I, came, <laughs> I literally came home and I was like shaking and I'm like, I need to see something that'll make me laugh and not feel yes. unsafe in my own home. Yeah. Uh, who put those mirrors in that hallway? That I feel like that's a recipe for disaster. That's that's my mom's design. You know, she she always experimented with like what was trending and all that stuff. And the other the other thing I have to say with Paranormal, paranormal Activity and like those kind of horror movies, I hate horror movies that not only make you insecure about your own place but like that you can't physically attack like a slasher mm -hmm. i have a chance to survive you know i can outmaneuver jason you know i can maybe drop kick the drop kick the guy it's like wrestling a bear or outrunning a bear you could potentially do it you never know um and like but freddy krueger can you really fight freddy krueger because like he's in your brain right like when you're sleeping Hell, the nerdy kid turned into a wizard to fight Freddy Krueger, and it worked for like five seconds, and then Freddy's like, eh, you know what? Nope. Uh, it's not going to work anymore. Yeah. So uh, I agree with you. You can't fight certain things. Oh, my God, it's Isabella. Hello. So, so hold on. Hold on. Oh, yeah, Beautiful. Isabella's got to come back because she's, yeah, she likes it, scary it, things. She, she you scary love scary things. movies. The, the viewers want to know. What was your question? It was like, what is the, the, what's, what's the, the scariest movie you've ever seen? The, what's the scariest movie you've ever seen? Man. And you can't That's say Dumbo because we both already picked like Dumbo. What we're considering scary because there's like yeah. reality, which can be terrifying. Like there's this really messed up French movie. I think it's called Inside, and it's about a woman who loses her baby in a car accident. So then she goes insane and hunts down and tries to cut a baby out of another pregnant woman's belly with a pair of scissors. It's Whoa. really good, but it's terrifying because that's something that could actually happen. Yeah. Um, the Loved Ones is an Australian horror movie about a crazy guy and his daughter that keep keep like human zombies, Jeffrey Dahmer style, in mm. their basement. That one's really good. And The Bubba Duke was really terrifying. Like I really like that one. But also The Conjuring is really good. Like any anything where they're like they pull at your feet while you're asleep, and that's that's how the ghost gets mm. you. It's just like, oh my god, no. I, yeah, I, yes, I love all different kinds of horror. Some are more disturbing than others. She loves it. She is a horror fan. Although Ryan doesn't like it, I have to watch it by myself. Yeah, which is Ryan, worse for you, her. You have you is have to watch Midnight me? Mass, Ryan. Uh, Midnight Mass is that yes. oh, Hereditary. Have you seen Hereditary? Yes, I have seen Hereditary. Yes. I explained was... the scene to Ryan in the car with the asthma attack, and he was like. <laughs> <laughs> Oh god. Yeah, no, that's not gonna happen. I, I actually another favorite horror movie of mine is Ready or Not. That's a great movie. That's a fabulous movie. I love mm. really horror. It's more like it's an action horror. That's yeah, what I call it. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, Ready or Not's cool. She fights the devil at the end, so it's pretty much a horror movie. Mm -hmm.
Like, here's the thing. Here's the thing. If you wanted to do a horror show, you should do it with Isabella because their vocabulary of horror movies is very far reaching, even internet, like to international movies. So that's and international horror movies are they are next level. Like the one I told you to tell Isabella about, Speak No Evil, the one that's on Shutter, that is a, I believe, Danish movie, either Danish or or, um, uh, um, Dutch. But Mm -hmm. it is like you are you are not going to be thinking about anything else for days not in the same way paranormal activity messes with you just in a different <laughs> way very yeah different exactly way. um and i also i'm because it's our halloween show you know i was i was uh telling everybody about it and making sure everybody listened because i like people getting into the halloween specials uh and i wanted to give another shout out to another student of mine tonight uh who, who asked for a shout out. Uh, she's actually not in any of my classes this year, but I've had her before in a class. She's awesome. Her name is Phelan. Phelan, this is your shout out. And pay Phelan. attention. Pay attention because we are going to teach you what to do if you encounter a werewolf. And I mean, granted, Phelan's pretty tough. I bet you she would probably just kick a werewolf's butt if she met one in real life. But just in case, you're going to want to know what to do if that happens, because we are going to get into that tonight. Ryan is a werewolf. He's going to change on camera. Um, it's it's happening. And uh, we're also breaking uh, new ground here today, right? Yeah, you're already halfway there. We're, we're breaking new ground because this is actually the first podcast ever uh, that you can listen to in black and white. Oh, man. Well, that's pretty. First of all, I mean, that's huge. You know, I didn't even think it could be done physically, but, um, you know, that's pretty amazing. You know, we made the jump to Technicolor, but now audio wise, we made the jump back to black and white. That's that's huge. Right. <clears throat> I also realized we have Rebel Scum podcast in the chat there saying Andrew is scarier than any werewolf. He He's For only sure. saying that because I frightened him today. Yeah. By yelling <laughs> boo really loudly. Yeah. That's why. And yeah. Rebel Scum also said, "Conjuring and Sinister scared me as kid. Uh, as a kid, frogs scared me." Oh, yeah. Conjuring never could do it. Neither, neither could I with Sinister. Those Conjuring sounds amazing, though, Ryan. And I wish I could see it because it's literally a shared cinematic universe of horror. Uh, and they have built this really cool world based around this couple uh, who goes and hunts paranormal stuff. And I want to get into it because it sounds so fun, but I know, I know the plot of Conjuring 1. I know what it's like, and it is very much on the other side of that line I've drawn for myself. (laughs) So I got to take a step back and just, you know, tell Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga that I'm sorry, but I I can't join them on their spooky adventures. I just can't. (laughs) Yeah. But at least one spooky adventure that I can go on, and I know you can go on, is called Werewolf by Night. Werewolf by Night. That's the actual way, that's how Stan Lee pronounced it. All right, so let's let's get into this. This is Marvel's first special presentation, and this is one thing I do want to bring up before we deep dive into the lore uh, and uh, lore and like the characters and stuff like that, is first of all, Special presentation, so it was about just under an hour, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, just in and around an hour. Um, apparently, there was a lot of positive feedback about this this show. 
um, not only just the story and quality of content, but the idea of special presentations. Yeah. And we talked about this briefly before, but this is now a good chance to talk about it right now, um, which is, <clears throat> um, is special presentations going to dominate more than the shows now? Because if you think about it, uh, the shows could be a little bit more focused now on an event that involves characters or, you know, uh, or and you can leave the special presentations to kind of like an origin story or like, um, you know, like a character spotlight kind of thing. Yeah, they're, they're still a big question mark. And you're right. There was this whole hype around this being the first one, the same way there was hype around WandaVision because we didn't yep. know. What does a Marvel show look like? Same way there was even hype around Rogue One because we didn't know what does a non-saga Star Wars film look like. It, it was just this big mystery of like, is this going to work and how could it possibly work? So the fact that this Werewolf by Night presentation works, yeah, now it's begging that question. What are we going to see? Um, we, we still, like, we have a baseline now, but is the Guardians holiday special going to feel and look just radically different? Is that one gonna be like 20 minutes long? Like we really have no idea. Uh, we mm -hmm. still, we, we need a few more of these under our belt. We gotta collect like six of them, like Infinity Stone before we can fully snap our fingers and say, this is what a Marvel special presentation is. Um, but if they're anything like Werewolf by Night, then to quote Clark Griswold, I think we're all in for a very special treat. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. We are. I think we are in, in for a very special treat, to be honest with you. I think that there actually there is rumors currently that they're going to do a Silver Surfer special presentation. Yeah. So right now there seems to be a lot of positive momentum in this category. But you know, where bringing it back to Werewolf by Night, what is that? I like that it was an event focused very specifically. Or, or sorry. A story very specifically focused around an event, and the event yes. was this this giving away of the Bloodstone uh, family diamond or like the Bloodstone ruby uh, <clears throat> that is like powered the Bloodstone family for so long, and it's brought out all your best hunters uh, for this event. It's even brought out the classic Elsa Bloodstone, uh, who is a big character in the comics. Uh, who did a, a remarkable job in this show? I absolutely loved her. And then we also have uh, we also have the werewolf himself uh, from the comics as well. Uh, and a big couple, a, well, a couple surprises, but a big a big surprise really in the kind of the antagonist in in a way of speaking, which was pretty cool. Uh, but yeah, so <clears throat> this special presentation I think was a fun exploration of literally just focusing on event it didn't need i don't think you need to do i think the best part about marvel is you should have the freedom not even needing to do like a you know nine episode adventure where you can do if you can do you know maybe a, a mini series of six episodes and make every episode very specific and like really build out the stories then you can do some really cool stuff even two epi two episodes of an hour long each would be really cool maybe like a two-parter 
like that kind of thing like end on a cliffhanger and then the second episode resolves everything in a beautiful way that would be really cool as well this i but i really did like this format i really thought this was a really smart way to do something very experimental and this is this is what sets this is what really sets up marvel right like iron man came out iron man was super experimental then they kind of had a formula going. They got Hulk going. They got Thor. They got Captain America. And then, you know, and then Avengers comes out. Super experimental. A, a kind of change in the formula, doing something they've never done before, and it's a hit. Then they kind of, you know, get back into their formula a little bit. They really need to change it up. So what do they do? They drop in Winter Soldier. That really shakes things up in terms of how they do suspense. This kind of political thriller narrative that kind of thing and then then they do it again with guardians by going way out there and just doing something so different and this felt like that kind of project it's just you know it's one of those projects where you're not sure how it's going to work because werewolf by night is he's a character in the comics and he's got some stories that are good but in the end, he's not as strong as a character as, like, say, Elsa Bloodstone, or say, like, like I'll even throw it out there, like, like doing something like a, like, um, oh my God, I'm trying to think of a, like a random character that would be like, like Song Chi, like, like something like that. You know what I mean? Like those characters have big stories, but Werewolf by Night has a couple of big stories and has been through present throughout the comics, but not, not so much. Even, even our main antagonist, Man Thing is like a huge character and so you're not sure if this is gonna work but in, you know marv leave it to marvel to just really surprise and delight us with this project yeah maybe that's why it worked because werewolf by night is that kind of character because yeah. he's the kind of character where it's like he doesn't really have huge events and things and his stories were just sort of sporadically fine so this is the best way to introduce him you know this is not the best way to introduce I don't know, uh, Miss Marvel, you know, yeah. we, we needed a different way to meet her. Exactly. Uh, yeah. So maybe this was for the best. And now it still kind of poses that question, like what kind of characters would benefit from this and to kind of snipe back at that rumor. I don't know if silver surfer works for this because he's such a big character and because he's tied to such big things. I mean, if they're going to resort to doing these instead of doing solo movies, I think that might be to their detriment. I don't know, because it, it might take away some special movie moments. Um, I just don't want them. I still want there to be more movies than anything else. Well, I think personally, solo films can be good and all, but overall, I think ensemble pieces do a lot better than than your than your traditional solo movie. I mean, even Song Chi, you though though it's his story, it's still an ensemble experience. You know what I mean? Like it's still about a a, a group that he ends up forming, as opposed to his own just like standalone, you know, me versus the enemy kind of story. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I hear you though on the, on the detriment side, like, yeah, I, I kind of, I kind of can agree with that, but Silver Surfer is a complex character. He is not, um, he was, he is not an easy character to do. 
uh, in terms of like just jumping in and, and seeing where it goes. Like they've tried it. They tried mm -hmm. bringing him into a movie and it did not go well. I mean, they had all the right ingredients. You know, they had um, Lawrence Fishburne play uh, the voice of the Silver Surfer, which was brilliant because he, yes. he has that kind of uh, he has that kind of thing there. Uh, so Rebel Scum Podcast says it was a perfect one-off, perfectly timed out with Halloween and the perfect length. They allowed it to be what it needed to be without forcing their hand at anything. Then we have Kicking Air, uh, who I would say is a new viewer, saying these would work well for smaller characters that might have been lingering. Uh, that might have lingering plot points out there. I, I like. I could buy a one-off like this that explains what happens to Agatha. Uh, yeah, no, exactly. I, I agree. I think, but that's. I think actually, Kicking Air and Rebel Scum. Like, I think we're on the right page here. I think for a character like Werewolf by Night or like Agatha, yeah, small one-off, nice, nice and neat little package. You don't need to expand out on it. Is a good idea. Yes. In fact, a character that I can think of right off the bat that we've already met who mm. would be perfect to tell their story through this, because honestly, it's a character I don't really care about their story, is Star Fox. Oh, yes. Star this is Fox a perfect is place to tell mm. Star Fox's story. And oh, one of my students, Nathan Arabian, says, I think this format could work for some big characters, including Silver Surfer. So Nathan's on the other page. He wants to see some Silver Surfer in this format. Mm. I do support I do support Nathan's comment and I'm kind of on that side because as long as you focus on events, not mm -hmm. the characters as much. If you fo like Silver Surfer, you could do if it's a if it's like the event of Galactus coming and making him Silver Surfer. You know what I mean? Like yeah. don't don't go into the beginning, middle, and end of the Silver Surfer because you can't do that in a movie or a series. But you could do it in like that like this event created Silver Surfer. Boom. And then literally leave it at that. Bingo. If it's Norrin Rad and like he's making his deal, he wants to save Shellaball and he wants to do all that stuff. Um, that is a perfect place to put that because when he does show up in Fantastic Four 2, the revenge of the Christine Everhart, which we all know is coming. <laughs> Um, they don't have to waste like two minutes of exposition being like, who are you? And Silver Surfer turning to the audience and saying, I am from a planet, because we've all already seen that. And he can literally hand Reed Richards and Sue Storm um, a remote control and a TV with Disney Plus, And he can tell them, you can watch my special presentation, which is now available on Disney Plus. And they'll and, and we'll actually that... watch them watching it. <laughs> and that's my point though, is that like, what if could have been a special presentation? Like, cause what if to me, didn't need the entire series like because it just kind of felt like a run-on joke of yeah. like why is the rum gone whereas like whereas like if you focus on the event itself and like get down to the nitty-gritty uh which was like Owatu trying to debate how to like break his break his oath without breaking his oath then that to me would have been de well deserving of a special presentation not an entire you know whole season on like giving me little like you know party Thor and just just weird jokes that just don't land for me. Like to me, I think I could I can I to me I think there was three episodes out of like what eight that I just like re I actually really liked. Don't pretend you don't have a party Thor tattoo right now. I definitely don't. Don't act like not. it's not there. I gave yeah. you the tattoo. Okay. <laughs> Re Rebel Scum agrees with me uh, on that. Thank you. That. That makes it doesn't that make it does that make me like definitively right because Rebel Scum 
has agreed with my statement. It makes you definitively canon in the Star Wars universe, which I am still <laughs> not, because James and Brock yeah. have not given me canon status. I'm still considered legends, just like mm. Darth Nihilus and Mara Jade. I got to hang yeah. out with them. Well, hold on, hold on. So Rebel Scum, Rebel Scum says, Silver Surfer could work as a special presentation depending on its storyline, not about the character, about the story. Exactly. I think we've, I think we've established exactly what a pre special presentation needs to be. It needs to be event-based. And that's what brings us back to Werewolf by Night. It's perfect because they tell you everything you need to know, but it's about the event of the Bloodstone. That's what it's all about. Yes. And now... If and when the Bloodstone shows up again and the concept of Hunters shows up again and Jack shows up and Man-Thing shows up, mm -hmm. we're not going to be scratching our heads because we've been told what this all is. So Exactly. It's a beautiful thing. And so is this special presentation. Turns out Michael Giacchino can direct, Ryan. Oh man, direct. can he ever? Oh my god, was I moved during that whole thing? Whew. Wow. Uh, not only is he a talented composer, uh, he can work some magic behind the camera. I I am constantly, constantly floored, Ryan, by the fact that like I'm constantly of two minds. I keep being made overjoyed by the fact that Michael Giacchino understands what classic Hollywood scores are supposed to sound like. Mm -hmm. And on the other hand, I'm constantly heartbroken by the fact that Michael Giacchino is the only composer left in the world, it seems, who understands what classic Hollywood scores are supposed to sound like. Uh, mm -hmm. I just, I wish, I wish he just like opened a school and taught people how to do classic Hollywood music so that we wouldn't lose that kind of music. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Um, oh, man. <laughs> It's just sad because nobody else does it except him. And I just, I don't understand why. It's true. It's true. But okay. But first of all, yes, let's, let's focus on the directing here. And like, oh my God. First of all, I love that it was black and white. Mm -hmm. Just like this like, podcast. Yeah. Just like this audio podcast. The audio, if you're listening only, you are experiencing it in black and white today, which yeah. is a first. Um, so a couple of things, first of all, kicking air, uh, points out, did I miss any clues as to where it, as to where werewolf by night takes place within the MCU? It's current. It's literally happening. Like as like right now, like it had, like it's taken place after the events of infinity war, all that stuff, because we're in the multiverse saga and there's a key element to this whole thing that lies in our character man thing. He is a multiversal guardian. He is he he actually can travel from one place to another through the Nexus Gate, which I believe is what was shown in WandaVision and when when she goes into the house, Agatha's house, and she gets down to the labyrinth. That's right. Okay. So we'll be seeing him again. Kang mm -hmm. might be very interested to know where Man Thing is. Yeah. Uh, I think no. I think Kang would definitely like to know where Man Thing is. I mean, but what what kind of confuses me is is Kang. What's limiting Kang from jumping from point to point? Because he's a very powerful futuristic being. So what what is limiting him, or why does he? Let's just, okay, let's 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 talk about the elephant in the room here. Uh, as we're I know we're all over the place tonight, but because we got a nice active audience tonight, it's it's going to mm -hmm. be all over the place a little bit. Um, so Kang, uh, Kang is a, a being from the future. 
Uh, he's from what the 40, 40th century or something like that. Um, and he, I don't know what's limiting him. And let's talk about the elephant in the room. The Ant-Man quantum mania trailer dropped out of nowhere. I, d I wasn't expecting it, but I'm kind of getting it now. It's like, okay, black Panther's coming out. So might as well drop the Ant-Man trailer to hype up the next project, next big film that's going to be coming out. So, uh, but I don't know why he needs Ant-Man's help, but this could be a, a very similar Mysterio effect that, uh, Mysterio effect that No Way Home had, which was uh, Mysterio like appears as as a as a ally and then completely flips the script later. Actually, I'm glad you brought up the Ant Man trailer because I totally forgot. Um, but there is a big correlation between the Ant Man trailer and something that happens at the very end of Werewolf by Night. Ooh, good tie-in! I love it already. Mm -hmm. um, so that Ant Man trailer, you know, it, it gives us what it gives us. We see Kang, we see the quantum realm and all that stuff. And, you know, it's great. It's cool. We see them all. Um, the, the choice of song in the Ant-Man trailer was Goodbye Yellow Brick Road by Alton John. Uh, A very strange choice of well song. Well played, sir. Well played. You don't even need to finish what you're going to say. <laughs> we are being taken to Oz. There's, there's something happening here. Uh, they're using this travel to Oz as a metaphor for traveling through the multiverse because it makes sense. Um, uh, because the one of the most baffling things about Werewolf by Night, the first time I watched it, was why why are we playing somewhere over the rainbow and using the same exact font for the words the end when we close on this picture here. Uh, and lo and behold, here comes this trailer with another Wizard of Oz reference in it. So if Kang is the man behind the curtain, if he is the Wizard of Oz, which it seems likely he kind of is, he's controlling all these things. Um, in the original books, anyway, as far as I can remember, the wizard got to Oz by crashing at a hot air balloon and he just wanted to get back home. So if Kang got stuck in our universe and wants to get back into the multiverse whatever it's it's kind of fits doesn't it it all kind of seems like it fits and it fits the character and it would be something he would want to be doing is getting back home uh and if you know if he has to take down universes to get there he will well if you know your kang kang lore well enough then you know his century collapsed because of a mistake in the timeline uh, and he has to correct it. And in, in order to do that, um, he needs the, he at first enlists the aid of Avengers to say, Hey, uh, you know, there's a threat coming to your planet that will, that, that will upset my timeline and I will give you all my technology and you will let me rule and I will protect your world from devastation. And then he shows the Avengers what's happened and there's a split in the sun because of the events of uh, Secret Invasion. Um, and so there are a lot of domino pieces already set up, which is we got Secret Invasion coming up around the corner as well. Uh, it will be happening in the spring. That's our next MCU show. Um, aside from your Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special, which technically, technically doesn't have anything to do with MCU in any way, shape, or form. 
Um, however, uh, however, um, so yeah, we have essentially we have Black Panther. Then we have Guardians Holiday Special. Then in the spring we get Quantum Mania and we get Secret Invasion. So that's like our kickoff, which is going to be right. epically awesome. Um, so anyway, yeah. So yes, there's a lot of dominoes being set up right now. That's kind of interesting that you bring that up, right? Um, so Kang, so Kang could get stuck because he can't go back and he's not quite where he needs to be. And then Ant-Man might be the, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the guide that leads, you know, him back home, that kind of thing. Uh, that could be interesting. And then, and then there's the flip of the script. And also we have to remember that Modoc is also in, uh, quantum media. Yeah, he is. They didn't see him in those trailers yet, but he's coming and I hope he's really big. And I, I wish- think I think they're gonna edit. I think they're gonna edit him a little bit because uh, uh, apparently the concept art that they released there was a pretty negative reaction to what he looked like. <laughs> it was so. just ugly Sonic with a jewel on his head. And, yeah. <laughs> um, I wish Gilbert Gottfried was still alive and that he was the voice of Modoc because I think that's just a match made in heaven. Um, yeah. So okay, so there's all these parallels we can draw, but. Let's dial it back here. Let's talk about Bloodstone Manor and uh, yes. the the beautiful gothic atmosphere that this special grabs us and dunks us in it like we're a tea bag, and we just steep in this gothic horror atmosphere with all these monsters on the walls and even the opening written in that book. We see some Nosferatu-looking things. Um, the, the oh, they hunters. confirmed Dracula. By the way, they that's that's full on Dracula. They confirmed. They confirmed vampires go. are real. There we go. Vampires confirmed. So Dracula's probably coming. Uh, and then we meet these hunters, and uh, I don't think we caught any of their names in the special. But I was giving them my own nicknames in my head based on yeah. how they looked, and the nicknames I gave them were Gimli, Son of Glowing, uh, Great Value Blade, Crossbow McGee. And Ziggy Stardust. Um, I think I think I know which one Ziggy Stardust. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Tell tell me uh, tell me and everybody else about these hunters, Ryan. Who are they, and what are their real names? So to be fair, actually, the, I looked up the hunters, and most of them aren't really characters. Like they're just kind of made up for the oh, for the okay. whole thing. So there's nothing really to pay attention to. What is to pay attention to though is the lore building. Because they talk about, like I mentioned, uh, previously mentioned, they did talk about vampires. They also talked about Ulysses Bloodstone, who is an actual comic book character. Um, he was, he's a very old Marvel comic book character who had a very small spotlight for a bit in the kind of what they call the Golden Age comics, which takes place roughly around like the 60s, like 50s, 60s to 70s. Um, and then Silver Age is like, oh, that's my favorite um but in the silver age they reinvented the character and then they gave him his daughter which is all true so most of the things that they talked about her in the show she did abandon his training to get trained by other people uh and she um yes she wants the bloodstone because again she you know she wants to go off to do her because she wants to she wants to learn how to better better equip to deal with monsters as opposed to just fight them so she wants to take a more diplomatic approach to which Ulysses Bloodstone was like, nah, you need to kill them all. And that's why there's like, they, they have like the blood records of like 
or sorry, the, uh, the records of like how many people, how many monsters people have destroyed and all that stuff and how it's a big competition and that sort of thing. But the hunters, there was really no, as far as, as far as the research I've done, there was no confirmation of any characters that stood out. Um, I looked up the names and everything. Yeah. Nothing really there. Another fun fact though, on the wall, they actually show the head of the Wendigo, which is a big, big character in the Marvel comics. Wendigo uh, fought the Hulk, fought Wolverine many a times. I love so, the Wendigo. Yeah, there's actually so the Wendigo um, has the Wendigos has a lot of good ties to. Um, oh, and I think they confirmed Sasquatch, which was a, a Canadian mutant uh, yes. as well. So uh, yes, that was another big one. So there's a there's there's a lot of comic book lores like really surrounding the Bloodstone Manor, uh, which was really cool. There was a lot of those moments of my, of myself just going like, oh my god, like that's really cool. Uh, the Wendigo was like the big one for me because like Wendigo's a big character in the comics. Yeah, I I remember that being my favorite part of the Wolverine Xbox game when Wendigo shows up. Um, and he also showed up in the Guardians game. You go to a planet that's full of Wendigos. Do you remember that part? Yes. Like you're yes. Just, you're randomly on this planet, and then uh, Drax is like, I hear something, and you just hear the Wendigo. Terrifying. Well, Wendigo, actually, my favorite interpretation of it, uh, of Wendigo, was in Wolverine's Revenge, uh, yeah. uh, which was the. The, X, the Xbox, PlayStation 2, and GameCube uh, port. Great game. If you can get your hands on it, it is like the Metal Gear Solid of Wolverine games. It is really good. Um, good luck beating Lady Deathstrike. That's all I can say. Yeah, good luck with that. Um, yeah, so, okay. Um, but yeah, so there's a lot of Marvel lore here. And it's interesting because Kicking Air is bringing up a good question, which is what is... Um, what is the Hunter stance on many, many aliens that are now on Earth in the MCU? So um, here's the deal. They see aliens as monsters. They're, it's mm. all different. It's all the same language, but it's said in different ways. Alien is essentially uh, like um, a, oh, how do they say it? Like, it's like, look at it this way. There's Eternals and there's Deviants. So when the Eternals movie came out, Eternals are like the perfect beings. They're your gods. They're like, your Zeus's, your Hercules, your Thor's, your, you know, all those kind of things. Deviants are monsters who have godlike powers, but they weren't, they weren't, uh, they were a mutation, right? So the same thing goes with aliens to the hunters. The hunters will probably see aliens as like, oh man, if I saw Korg, that's a monster to me. So I need to thus destroy that monster. But because Elsa Bloodstone reigns supreme, probably hunter stance on the hunter stance on it will be different now in the comics there's a lot going on like this elsa's the bloodstone family uh hunters in general the when the cold war happened um aliens were invading and then what happened was the government was kind of like okay we need to we need freaks to deal with freaks that was the kind of the government's position on it and so the government uh acquired hunters such as ulysses bloodstone to go around and start taking out like vampires and all sorts of things. So that's what kind of, it was kind of like a cold war going on underneath, like just a regular cold war. And like, so they were sending out all the hunters to do it. Now in the comics, essentially the story of Elsa Bloodstone, if you want to read her comics, 
is like super parallel to Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Same idea. If you've seen Buffy the Vampire Slayer, you've read Elsa Bloodstone comics. It's like that close to the whole thing. Now, that's yeah, interesting because that tells us a lot about Elsa and her character that the, mm-hmm. the special didn't tell us. Because from what you're saying, she she wants this bloodstone because she wants to move the whole concept of hunters out of its very old-fashioned, xenophobic kind of way of thinking. And Yes, exactly. 100%. Yeah, and we get that with, with Jack and with uh, Ted. Uh, mm-hmm. who I will probably not call Ted anymore because Man-Thing is a much cooler name. But so uh, cool. she experiences firsthand, like, hey, yeah, we don't have to hunt all of these guys. There probably are some nice people amongst these monsters. Well, and Ted, uh, or Man-Thing, is a victim of circumstance. If you if you actually read his story in the comics, and I think they kind of teased it a little bit, um, he, uh, yeah, his story is not pretty. Uh, but we'll get into that. I'll, I'll talk about that in a minute. But yeah, so the hunters, uh, you're like you nailed it, nailed it to the wall. And it's funny too because the comic book writers who who helped kind of make Elsa Bloodstone who she is today, they said they never they never watched Buffy or anything, and that's <laughs> just, it's just how the character turned out. Sure, um, they didn't. Sure. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, exactly. So kicking air, you bring up a good question, and it also brings us to our conversation about these care about this hunt the hunters. So the hunters are like the old fashioned, like, you know, we need to get rid of anyone who's not an eternal, if you think about it that way. Is like essentially if they're if they're not human, then they they don't they shouldn't be there. And that's why Jack uh, um is kind of um they don't really know he's the werewolf kind of thing. They just assume he's a really good hunter. And of course, as they found out that he is um he is a werewolf then uh and and as because of his reaction to the stone uh, and then you kind of see that they're like oh he's not he's not one of us so he must be eliminated and of course right. elsa is not about that life no i mean these people are bloodthirsty to begin with they're ready to kill each other for the stone um and that whole the, the concept of this hunt this special sacred hunt where you're not just hunting to hunt a monster. You're hunting to become entitled to the bloodstone because Ulysses died and he's a new owner. That is such a beautiful concept for a story. Like that, that could have been a movie that could have, that would make a great book. Like I'm just thinking of what a great book it would make. Like there's so much fun you can have with this concept. I don't know if that's pulled from a comic, but I thought as soon as they set up that story and, uh, Ulysses' widow, she starts explaining what what is about to happen. The first time I watched it, I was just like, I'm on board for this. Well, the story, the story is related to a comic. That that is a run. There is a run that's similar to that. Um, in fact, Elsa hangs out with some pretty cool people. Um, she, what they don't tell you, is trained by Blade. That's right. Isn't she one of the Darkhold Redeemers? She is one of the dark. She is one of the dark hold redeemers. She's also a midnight sun. Hey, a midnight. Which is one of my favorite. Is as easily become one of my favorite Marvel groups because they are really cool. So yeah, the 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 lore is all here, and what's beautiful is that they can tie into the lore without needing a single cameo. Right? They didn't have to. 
be like, here's Loki. Right? They, they didn't have I to was do hoping for a blade because it's a hunter's. It was a hunter's gathering, and I was really hoping for a blade cameo. I would really dig that. But you're right. It it you didn't need it. Mm-hmm. Especially because all those hunters ended up getting killed. Um, I'm sure. I have a feeling Blade's a good guy. Like he knows better than to hang out with those people. They seem kind of greedy and self-important. Yeah. Um, but this this setup is beautiful. Ulysses Bloodstone in his coffin is. Uh, I gotta talk to my funeral home and change and make some new requests because I want <laughs> I want that animatronic crypt keeper look to myself when I go right. Hello, Ryan. I'll be rotting for you. <laughs> that is just beautiful. That right yeah. there is one of the most fun Marvel moments in recent memory. I love it. Yeah, honestly, uh, and the and you know this guy, this this is this is another great thing about Marvel is like they they look into people who want like they're they're helping a lot of people grow in the filming industry. A lot of actors who've been in the Marvel biz for a while and now moved up to producers or even directors. And we now have a composer who's ne- like essentially never directed a feature film on or well, a film on this level before and just crushes it. Not only does he crush it, Ryan, but I'm going to put something bold on the table right now. Are you ready? This gave me the best werewolf transformation scene I have ever watched. Mm. American Werewolf in London was pretty damn good, but this, I think, blew it out of the water. Yeah, I gotta say, you know, I love that they did not use CG as much. They used more practical makeup and, like, effects Mm. to to get the results that they needed. Like, the transformation was just... I was living for every second of that. <laughs> that shadow on the wall, man. That is visual storytelling at some of its finest. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure it's a billion times cheaper than CG. And to top it all up, you bring up the makeup. The makeup made me so happy. I don't know if you're... Are you a fan of the Universal monster movies? They're not that scary, I, so... I know, no, I, yeah, I'm a fan. Of course I am. Yeah. So the... The makeup artist for those movies was a guy named Jack Pierce. Jack Pierce um, invented the classic Frankenstein makeup. Uh, and to this day, Frankenstein is public domain because the book is like 200 years old. But that makeup, that look is copyright. So, Ryan, you could write a, you could make a Frankenstein movie right now and you wouldn't have to pay anybody rights. But you can't have the monster look like Boris Karloff's monster because that that makeup that Jack Pierce did was so iconic. It's a copyrighted image. And Jack Pierce also did the makeup for the Wolfman, uh, Lon Chaney Jr.'s Wolfman movie. And I love that they took that as inspiration for the way Werewolf by Night looks. I'm so glad he doesn't just look like a wolf. Uh, the idea of getting Gael Garcia Bernal's face and just adapting it into this quasi Chewbacca, but not quite. Uh, it's very similar to what they do with Lon Chaney Jr. It works for me, man. This is perfect werewolf stuff. Like I could not be happier with how the makeup and the transformation and all of it turned out. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I like the, the, really the aesthetic and tone. I'm a big fan when, when shows make the effort to do like more practical effects, like, cause to me, 
like even daredevil like look how fast they turned around daredevil in like in terms of seasons and stuff because like it was mostly practical it didn't do like barely any cg was in it and it was perfect and like i i actually my position is if you if you can do practical no matter how difficult it may be you should do it like don't don't ever default to say like let's do cg like don't don't default that for me like if you can do it practical, do it practical. And I'm I'm a big fan of that. And that goes to say, I love how they did Man-Thing. Man-Thing looked amazing. And that's a character you could have really cheated with CG, especially on a black and white platform. But if you, um, and at first I was a bit concerned because I was like, man, that could be CG. Uh, but they did a group photo of like the set of the, the crew in the set. And they had a Man-Thing puppet in the background that they had. And I was like, yep, oh, yep, practical. I'm happy. See, that's so cool. And I, I remember hearing about that too. I remember hearing that the practical man thing. And honestly, man, I had no idea it was practical. I thought it was CG the whole time. Yeah. I, yeah. I, he was the character I knew the most about going into this. And I'm so happy with how he looked. He looked perfect. Even the way he runs, just the way his body contours. I love the man thing. Mark my words. He's the next brute. He is going to steal everybody's hearts. He is the next group. I I think so. And there's a, I know that I know the scene you're talking about that makes that definitely does that for him. Um, and so and speaking of speaking of uh, visual effects is when they use the stone that was gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Like like the 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 effects really fit the narrative and theme of the show, and it just it just made it elevated the whole experience. So when the when the hunt went down um, and they started chasing after you know the the monster that they captured, um, that uh, I actually thought for a, probably about a minute that it wasn't man. I thought Man Thing was like a monster that like attacks while they're hunting another monster. That's how I saw the show happening. So I because like. For me right now with trailers and I, I i wonder i do really want to talk about this at some point um we did do a video about trailers it didn't work out unfortunately but we're gonna do it again at some point but i don't like when trailers do this but when i when we did the uh the, the covering of the marvel stuff and then we saw the trailer for it and they had man thing in the trailer to me sometimes when you do something that big you're usually counting the minutes till it happens So for me, I was like, okay, we're going to hunt down a monster. I didn't even think it was going to be Man-Thing, but I'm like, I was counting the minutes. So I'm like, okay, Man-Thing's going to come in at some point when, and then I found out that it's like, then you find out shortly after it's all about Man-Thing, which was really, to me, it was perfect. Like, I was just like, oh, this is amazing. Um, And uh, yeah. And so that that was a really cool thing for me, but I was still counting the minutes to that one shot where he comes in through the, through the wall. Yeah, we can, it can really get in our heads and we can start doing that counting the minutes when the trailers show us stuff like mm. that. So I wish they, I'm like, I'm glad we didn't see Modoc, even though we know he's coming, but like, I just hope that the Black Panther and the Ant-Man trailers have left out big stuff that we can yeah. actually react to in the theater. Uh, what did you think, Ryan, of uh, of our leading man, of Dial Garcia Bernal as Jack Russell? I love Jack. Actually, he. I again, this is one of those things where I I sort of I would have totally interpreted the character differently. He, he really brought kind of like an average Joe kind of care kind of approach to it to me, where it's like 
this guy clearly could lead on that there's more to him but he's just like uh hey like hey we don't have to don't have to do this you know you want a coffee or something like yeah you know what i mean like i would not have portrayed it that way but i loved it it was it was a fun way to do that character um and again i think what's really cool is is again how marvel and these actors work together to re like to bring this character to life and i you know it sounds kind of like well duh right that's what they do but if you think about it like characters like this bring with them a lot of lore like i'm very curious to see how namor is going to make the jump from page to the screen because namor has had a lot of history and i mean a lot to a point where comic book fans are really going to have a perceived notion of what namor should act like and it's up to the actor to convince the viewers that this is how the character should be now there are there are times when you think one way and then the actors do something completely out of left field and you're you're more enchanted by that than you are of what you thought the character was. Because remember, is like it's hard to beat nostalgia. It is extremely hard to beat nostalgia. You know, you look at you look at Wolverine in the animated series. It is impossible, impossible to break your perception of that character. Uh, because once they did that, they did this Clint Eastwood talking, you know, you know, character with that Jim Lee aesthetic then you have now definitively placed in your heart that is wolverine werewolf by night is he's a, again i'm sure there are some really big fans out there not as many as like Mar like when you look at marvel fans uh when you look at marvel fans they're probably like hey yeah werewolf by character is a cool character he's got a couple good stories here and there um but i think the beautiful part of this is is like this person this actor had such carte blanche to really just bring the approach to the character that it's it was just really enchanting it was a it was a wonderful experience enchanting is a great word for it he really was he was the perfect just sort of aloof likable everyman uh again really nice parallel with Lawrence talbot uh from the wolfman because he was the same thing he was just a super nice everyman who just had this awful curse that he kind of lived with uh and i think he did a great job of making jack likable and making him interesting. Mm. Um, uh, he, he had some great little moments. I think when he's in the cage, he has this moment where he scratches behind his ear the way a dog would. Yeah. Uh, so like he, he's got these fun little little just attributes to him that they threw in. It could have been a very dry character because he's surrounded by all these amazing, fantastic things, all these crazy hunters with all their different looks and personalities. And then you have Man-Thing and you have Elsa, who's such a strong personality. So... It would have been so easy for him to be bland until he became a werewolf. Yeah. So I think the biggest job they had was to make sure that wasn't the case. And I think he totally rocked mm. Well, I think I think the other thing too is is that, you know, leading up to the cage, they almost make you forget that this is a guy who can turn into a werewolf. And they do a good mm. job of that. Like for me, they they I was like I'm like, man, like when I'm like, how are they gonna make it like turn? Because like he even admits, it's like, oh, yeah, it's not a full moon for a while now. And she's like, oh, man, you know, the gem can simulate a full moon. And he's, he's just he's like, oh, crap. <laughs> um, but, like, you're right. Like, the little manner is, like, him sniffing her, like, like going yeah. around, like, getting all her scent because he's like, I need to memorize her scent. Um, like, all that stuff. Like, the turn, the, the turnaround was really good. It was kind of, it kind of reminded me of a Dr. Jackal and Mr. Hyde. But, like, Mr. Hyde is just, like, your everyday, everyday, you know, 
Jim coming into Starbucks, getting a coffee kind of person. You know what I mean? Like, you know, just a super nice guy. And, but like they, I think you're right. Like this, that character could have easily been very boring. And then the werewolf takes over and then really kind of, you know, sets the bar kind of thing. But the performance sets such a bar that the, the, the raising the stakes, if you will, like when he transforms into the werewolf, that's, that was really cool. Yeah. So I, I'm, what a great new character to introduce. I hope we see more of them. Now I have a deep lore question for you. Um, actually, wait, is this kind of the people are question? I don't know. It's just a crazy question that's just going to make you think deeply about how the Marvel Cinematic Universe works. You ready? Go if, for any, it. if anybody can answer it, it's you. If you don't have an answer, I give up. Um, here we go. Do you think when, um, who was it? Um, when Moon Knight or whoever, or, the, or his, his friend there spun the sky around to look at something? Do oh, think, do you think that messed yes. with Jack Russell and he kept transforming on and off? Yeah, hundred percent. Oh yeah, hundred percent. That's terrible. Um, you're you're thinking about Conchu. Conchu, thank you. His name was totally escaping my mind. He doesn't want me to remember. Yeah. Uh, yes. No. Absolutely. In answer to your question, hundred percent that it would have it would have messed him up. I don't I don't know if he would have fully transformed, but he would have felt the pain of transforming because of the moons being played around with. Interesting. So, <coughs> excuse me. Yeah. I hope now, I hope that that's something next time we see Werewolf by Night, I hope that's something he just even just mentions that he just brings up because it'll be nice to start seeing these big things that have happened in phase four, uh, the ramifications of them. There's, there's still a giant man in the Pacific Ocean, and uh, everybody who was outside that night probably got a seizure if they looked up at the stars. So, yeah. I, <laughs> I, I just like to see some of the consequences of those things. And Werewolf by Night is a great way to work that in. Just to be like, oh, yeah. man, the other, you know, a couple months ago, uh, I had to, I, I hurt somebody by accident because I was, you know, the sky was being spun around and, and what have you. Maybe, they could even work it in. Maybe, you know, that's how Man-Thing got captured by these hunters uh, because he's usually hanging out with Jack, but that night Jack got messed up by the sky. He, he wasn't prepared for it, and Man Thing kind of got lost and wandered on his own and got captured. Exactly, um, and, and yeah, hundred percent. And so I, it was, it was such a fun, it was such a fun way to do the character. It was a really like, and I, I have to use the word enchanting because you, you again, it was that chance to change the perception of the character. And when Marvel can take what I would say is like a C or B listing character and and transform it into like a really popular character which i which i do think he he probably got some popularity points for that um then then marvel has done their job i mean like like i said with iron man like no one thought already rdj could do it nobody thought he could do it and then you saw his performance and you're like well that this is now the only way to do iron man at this point yeah that's it um now also also i did like elsa bloodstone too because again this is a character who can get mixed up with a lot of other characters i.e buffy but she kind of was like a i kind of like the the 40 spin like the black and white tone made her kind of seem more like a uh like marilyn monroe with a gun kind of thing <laughs> you know it's just kind of like the just the kind of uh just the kind of time period really kind of made her character a bit more uh 
a bit i don't know what the word is a more of a femme fatale kind of feel to her as opposed to like a buffy the vampire slayer like uh in terms of like high school high school approach like she kind of seemed like a she, she kind of seemed like as opposed to going to high school and fighting vampires she came back from college and like she's seen some stuff yeah she's been obviously she's been off seeing things who knows who she trained with mm-hmm. um it made but, her more classy. It made her more of a classy character. Yes. And there was just an aura of class around this whole thing because of how timeless it was. Um, even though, you know, like like you told Kicking Air, it does take place today here in the middle of the MCU where we are now. But the setting that we're in is this old Gothic mansion. You only get hints of the modern era from the design of some of the parts of the labyrinth and at the mausoleum that they get locked in. Those are very harsh, angular, modern designs to it. And obviously at the end, we see uh, the two of them hanging out together, camping, playing solitaire, talking about eating sushi. Newsflash, <laughs> people outside of Japan were not eating sushi in the 1800s. So this is clearly a modern setting. But this, uh, the idea of setting it in that mansion, giving it that feel, that old gothic creepy feel, which I love when it comes to the horror stuff, um, it just served to make Werewolf by Night timeless. Uh, and it's well, nice because not a lot of the MCU stuff is timeless because it is trying to be very timely. Hell, that was Marvel's name before it became Marvel. It was comic. And I'm about to blow your mind, too, about another reason why it was black and white. Mm-hmm. Because the black and white transition to color at the end, which is your Wizard of Oz kind of thing. Um, and Wizard, I think Wizard of Oz is the same storytelling technique. The reason why it was black and white was because of the times that they were in. Because everything was black and white. You're a hunter or you're a monster. Mm, and nice. then when Elsa gets the stone and everything's all said and done and everything turns to color, that's exactly what happens. Because now she sees things as not everything is black and white. Everything's kind of a, you know, shades of gray and like all sorts of colors, right? So that's how she perceives it. So that's why... There is that transition the second she has the stone. And that that was on purpose. That was actually the director's choice to do that. Um, but that's that's the that's the reason why it was the way it was. That's perfect. That what a great way to show that without actually saying it. Uh, she is mm-hmm. gonna change things. She's gonna change the way the monsters and hunters deal with each other. I wish we had other monsters that we knew uh, already to see you know how it would affect them. So I think it's probably a safe bet that we're going to see Elsa pop up in Blade. I think it's, I think it's a safe, safe bet. bet. I mean, yeah. again, she again, their their stories are pretty well entwined, so <sighs> I, I would not be surprised if she runs, because not only that, like, she would run into Moon Knight, she would run into Ghost Rider, she's, she's been she's been seen around a lot, so yeah somebody's been training her so she's been all yeah like she knows people i'm sure she knows people we've already met yeah um so if you were putting money down right now where do you think we will next see jack and man thing man thing i actually was i would i would argue that you're probably going to see man thing a lot sooner than you're going to see jack I don't think you're going to see Jack at any time soon, to be honest with you. I mean, you could see Jack in where if if this whole supernatural side of Marvel continues to expand, which I think they should. Um, you know, it's 
I feel like this movie was kind of like Guardians of the... I don't know why my camera's doing this, by the way. I got to fix that. I thought you were just at a rave. <laughs> no, I think it's a trying to be a smart cam where if I'm like turned a certain way, it, it changes the lighting. Um, anyway, I think that this movie is kind of like Guardians in the sense that it opens the doors for this area of storytelling. But we, I don't... I To be honest, outside of Blade, I don't know other stories that we're going to get where we're going to get more of these characters exposed. Um, and and Nathan Nathan agrees. Is like I think uh, Nathan's saying I think we'll at least see one of them in Blade. Uh, I think I think you'll see Man Thing a lot sooner than you will see Jack. Uh, Blade Blade you'll probably see Elsa Bloodstone for sure. I do, but Jack is such a isolated character that you will may see them in Blade. But I again it's it's too hard to say. It's because Blade is very much around vampires and and Elsa Bloodstone has done vampire hunting. Um, but Jack is not someone I would say just like is going to jump in front of a vampire and be like, no, don't shoot it. Like, I just, <laughs> I don't see that. I don't see that same storytelling happening. Um, it, it all depends on what's next in the supernatural world. That's going to determine whether or not we're going to see werewolf, but man thing because of, uh, Agatha, the, the coven of, uh, coven of chaos or whatever they're going to call it. And, uh, and this whole, multiverse saga there is such a high chance that we could run into man thing during ant-man quantumania like just because it's that possible that's true and man thing like i said he's still in everybody's heart he is going to be the next brute so they yeah. want to strike while the iron is hot they want to throw him in there um i totally mm. i always keep forgetting about agatha comes to chaos but yeah that's a great place to put man thing too maybe uh, well, maybe not Jack, because I feel like that show is going to take place in the past. But but see, that's what I mean, right? Like, Jack's a very, a very cautious choice. Like, you mm -hmm. have to really... You can't just throw him in anywhere. He has to have a very specific reason. The difference is with Man-Thing. Man-Thing's a multidimensional being. So Man-Thing can go anywhere and not have little to no context, i.e. Werewolf by Night, where you just throw this character in and and don't need much explanation for that. What about in the movie that I know you're the most excited for? Morbius 2, Morbin Time. <laughs> oh, God, that stupid movie. <laughs> God. I, it's funny, too. Uh, we've been playing this wonderful Marvel game. Um, uh, Marvel Snap. Marvel, Marvel Snap. Oh, snap. Uh, and I got Morbius as a card. And just like, it, at first I was excited because like Morbius in the comics is like, yeah, giggity. I haven't seen the movie yet, but I mean, <laughs> I heard it's good. Don't get me wrong. Like I heard Jared Leto is kind of an a, an interesting Morbius, but at the same time, uh, I could care less. Here's the thing. Actually, I, I do want to say one more thing about the man thing and werewolf appearances. They could appear together. That that could happen. That could very well happen. But I'm just saying in terms of the likelihood of one appearing over the other, man thing will probably appear appear much quicker than than the other ones or sorry than uh werewolf um so yeah so there's that um what was i talking about i was all over the place for a second there oh went from snap, snap to man thing morbius oh you're saying morbius um yeah. but that's the thing we don't know much more about the supernatural world outside of blade uh we could get lucky with daredevil but daredevil's not really a midnight suns type of character he doesn't really roll with a lot of hunters uh he's helped them for sure but he's uh again he's not 
it's weird. It's weird. Actually, you know, you know who you're, you know, where you're going to see man thing as well is what if. Oh, hundred percent. He's showing up in what if. He'd be super easy to throw in there. Um, yeah. There's one more possibility that's kind of a, <clears throat> a like a bench warmer possibility for now, but it seems like this show is going to delve more and more into the realms of magic, and that's Iron Heart. We've been hearing some whispers. Oh about yes, Ironheart. that's right. Yeah. I can't believe I'm saying this, but maybe Mephisto confirmed. Um, according literally, to yeah, according to rumors, allegedly, Borat is Mephisto, uh, which is a very nice prospect. So, if that's the case, there's room for some supernatural things in there. Uh, we did hear, I feel like ages ago that that show was going to tackle with the idea of technology versus magic. Um, so that could play a part. Um, I think a Jack appearance in there might be plausible. It might work. I mean, the shows have been... She-Hulk showed us how many cameos you could throw into the show. He might end up in there. Uh, but let me... Let's figure it out this way, Ryan. Who would you most like to see Werewolf by Night fight that would actually put up a fight against him. Moon Knight. Moon Knight can take him? Well, Moon Knight can take him, but it, it's fun. It would be a good comic book reference slash fun to watch because like those two have a good, a good bout. I like that, man. I think that's a great place for him, too. To show up with Moon Knight, uh, I was thinking I was thinking way too far ahead for me. I was thinking I would like to see him fight Sabretooth, um, who better be coming and he better be blonde for God's sake. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. he, again, we we know the mutants are still we still gotta wait for their movie, but just because we gotta wait for their movie doesn't mean we gotta wait for them. There's twenty million and fourteen mutants. Give us four <laughs> somewhere. <Yeah. laughs> so well, well, we don't know what phase six was. It phase six with the phase six is the the two secret wars in Kang Dynasty, right? And Fantastic Four. And Fantastic Four. So within that phase, there are four like four to five projects that have not been announced yet. So we got right. plenty of X Men related content that could fit in that uh, in that little area there. Well, that might. Uh, it looks like that's likely where Deadpool three is going to fall. That's that's my. Um, yeah, I, I I gathered. <laughs> but yeah, it looks like that's sure. where that's going to fall. But yeah, I I love the idea of Jack Russell. Being but speaking of okay so speaking of man thing man thing's an interesting character man thing actually my brother has been praising the day that they would have a man thing appear in marvel in some way shape or form and did he get it did he get what exactly what he wanted um and it's funny because the last time we heard man thing mentioned was in agents of shield and i think it was season two uh they actually they actually mentioned it once uh and it's like, I'll remember? never forget, I'll I'll never forget it. There's a scene with Agent Hill and she's walking down the street coming out of working with Stark and she's like, "Oh man, you know, Star uh, Stark's HR, they're 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 interrogators. They're asking me all these questions about Shield 
and like, what is this? What are that? What's a man thing? And that's literally all you get. <laughs> classic Agents of Shield move. Um, but like, yeah, it was literally just like a small tease. But Man Thing's an interesting character. Now, I've mentioned this once in a long, long time ago in our Infinity rewatch. Man Thing is a result of the Super Soldier Serum. So when you look at Project Rebirth uh, that created Captain America, um, that was obviously the Allies' attempt at, you know, creating a, a weapon that could fight off, you know, evil and essentially win the war. Uh, that was their goal. They obviously did it to such perfection that, uh, that someone sabotages it. And then ever since that sabotage, they've been trying to recreate uh, Captain America, but like, or recreate essentially a, something that will help the world, like essentially that be the one solution that fixes it. Um, and there's so many wars and stuff. So people try different things. So weapon one is project rebirth that created Captain America. Weapon two was when, um, uh, was when, uh, essentially the high evolutionary created animal weapons, thus creating rocket raccoon. Not just high evolutionary, but like the world started looking to animals and creating animals as weapons. Uh, then weapon three uh, was uh, was originally uh, set to be on animals again, uh, but they ended up working on uh, working on humans again during the Cold War, uh, and they created uh, kind of like uh, off versions of mutants. Essentially, they're not mutants per se, but they're they're off versions of mutants. Uh, they, yeah, something mutantish uh, kind of thing. <coughs> Weapon four was they started working on the environment, i.e., a swamp, and the scientist who led it was the scientist who ended who ended up becoming Man Thing. So, Man Thing is a result of the Captain America kind of recreation of the super soldier serum uh, man thing actually the way it works was he fell in love with a woman and this woman gets tied up with some gangsters and she ends up she ends up running into the swamp and then uh ted gets mixed up in, in the whole thing and ted they end up killing him to get to her and he falls into the swamp and the swamp mutates him into man thing and that is further proof that we need to see man thing fight the DC Comics character Swamp Thing. Yeah, <laughs> very similar. Swamp Thing is actually one of the most powerful creatures in the DC universe, too. So mm -hmm. they they match up like you know. Make yeah. that happen, Dwayne Johnson. That's what we so, want to see. So Weapon Six, by the way, is when Luke Cage gets his powers. He's actually a product of the same Super Soldier stuff. Um, and then fast forward to Weapon Ten, better known as Weapon X. Who creates Wolverine? Schnicky, schnicky, schnoy. Schnicky, schnicky, schnoy. Why isn't that Wolverine catchphrase? Yeah. <laughs> you said that more I, you know, actually, I do. I hate Wolverine's actual catchphrase, which is, um, uh, oh my god, I hear it all the time, and I just, I just cringe. Is it that stupid uh, thing about like I'm the best there is at what I do? Yeah, I'm the best. Uh, at, I'm the best there is at what I do, but what I do isn't very nice. I just like, oh come on. Man. I much prefer schnicky, schnicky, schnoy. Schnoy. <laughs> Yeah, or like just let's go, bub. Like that's like my favorite, you know. Like that's all you need to say. When Hugh Jackman said "bub" in X Men Two, 
people must have went nuts. I don't think you could have introduced. I don't think you could have introduced Wolverine any cooler than in a cage match where he's bar fighting 90% of the time. I, I don't think you could have done it better. I don't pretty sure that's just what he does when he's not an X-Man. <laughs> so exactly. I think it's time for us to rate this show, or rather let's, this special. Let's do it. Werewolf a by night on a scale of zero infinity stone to six infinity stones, and maybe even an infinity gauntlet if it's just that good. How many how many blood stones are you giving werewolf by night? You want me to start? You start. I think what I have settled on is I am giving werewolf by night six stones. I guessed it! Oh my god! While you were looking at your phone, I went like this. I went. Ryan's a psychic. He's a monster. Hunt him. Oh my god. Um, I think that it's like I really don't have any complaints uh, except that it's over so fast. That's pretty much it. Like it's just a, a great story. It introduces a lot of characters that could have very easily been planned, but they weren't. It Man thing who I liked for years, so I'm so happy to see him. Uh, it just it's just an all around fun, fun special. And I think the more we become familiar with what a Marvel special is, that might change this six stone rating. It might make it go up for me. It might make it go down for me. I don't know. But the baseline is still a slippery slope for specials. But right now, just as this thing that Marvel made. That's tied into the MCU. That is a Halloween event. I give it six stones. I just have a lot of fun. I actually also give it six. A heavily debated six. Because I would love to say Gauntlet, but I want more. And that's not a bad thing. I just want more. Mm-hmm. It just, it was, it was, it's kind of like the ultimate appetizer before a meal. Right? You know what I mean? Like, you know when you eat a really good appetizer... And you're like, man, that was so good. I can't wait for the meal. In this case, the meal is not coming. It's like you just literally had a really good appetizer. But that's all. But that's not a bad thing. It's it's so. It was such a great show. And the the Wizard of Oz touch at the end was Chef's kiss. Um, but I want. I just want more. And I know I'm not getting it. And that's. I can't give it a gauntlet only because I just want to see more from it. That's a great way to put it. It is an appetizer without a meal to come. And I think hindsight is going to, again, it's going to make us change how we feel because at some point when we see all these characters again and we have a better understanding of them, you know, by the end of phase six, maybe we've got to know them more. Then we can look back at Werewolf by Night and say, now that we know who Elsa is, who Manthing is, who Jack is, did this do a good job of introducing those characters to us? Yeah. And that might change our vote. But in the meantime, yeah, I think a solid six stones is a perfect, perfect score for something like this. I am rotting for this to work. <laughs> well played, sir. Well played. Ryan, what was your favorite Halloween candy? Oh, man. man that's a, you're really going down memory lane for me here. <laughs> Uh, the one that's coming to mind the quickest. Oh, 
I know what it is. Coca-Cola candies. Coca-Cola candies? What is this? There's there's a there's a trick though. I only loved the really big ones. They're they're gummies in the shape of giant Coca-Cola bottles. Oh yeah. And they are so delicious. In fact, they made a, the fruit snacks called soda, which is do you remember them? I do, I do. And here's the thing: the only way to get these Coca-Cola bottles now, if you're lucky to find them, they're at like random bulk barns, and that's the only place you can get them. Wow, that's it, huh? Yep. How would you get them on Halloween? Like, would they be in? They like... used to be more available when I was a kid, uh, and people would people. I mean, okay. The reason why I love them for Halloween was because people would give you a pack of the little ones. But I love the taste of the little, the, not only of the little ones, but the, but then I used to get the big ones on Halloween as well. Just like family members would come in and just say, hey, here's your candy. And then they would give me okay. a giant Coca-Cola bottle. But sometimes if you went to like house to house, you would find like people give you a little pack of the mini, the mini ones. And they just came in like a, like a package? Like, so. Yeah, they came in like a package that you'd open. And then you'd open. Wow, I've never seen them in those. You lived in a cooler neighborhood than any. <laughs> what about you, sir? What is yours uh candy choice? I I think I would say even though when I was a kid there were not as many options as there are now for it, I would say anything Reese's peanut butter. Um that is I actually just bought this year at, at uh I found a shopper's drug market they had these Reese's things. They're individually wrapped so they're perfect to give out and they're uh bats, pumpkins, and ghosts. And it's just imagine like a peanut butter cup, but it's just a thick ghost-shaped thing. And you just pop the whole thing in your mouth and it's just a giant smorgasbord of peanut butter flavor. Um, and I used to hate getting those little, uh, what do you call them, little toppies, the little orange and yellow, like those, they were only at Halloween, remember those? I never touched them. Never. I hated them. I hated them. That, for me, it was those and coffee crisps. I hated them. You hated coffee crisps? Really? I don't drink coffee. I, I don't like the taste of it. Ah, so that's why. So it's just like, ooh, this tastes like that stuff I don't like. There's, yeah, there's that. Okay, there was those two. And then I hated when people gave me like off-brand potato chips that tasted just like regular potato chips. Like, it's like a, you get like a weird little bag that you've never seen before. It's called like Joe's Chips. And you're like, what the hell? Yeah. What, what kind of chips yeah. did you make, Joe? Right. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm sure that's what that's you know. It's just easier. It's uh you know a bit more budget friendly, but uh, yeah, no. Yeah. Those uh, three things. Those those weird orange little yellow top things. The little triangles. Those things are nasty as hell. Uh, <laughs> all the candy and, corn. Yeah, the candy corn uh, and coffee crisps. I just couldn't do it. Everything else. Smarties, Kit Kats, Rocket candies. Love those. Mm -hmm. Rockets are great. Rockets are great. I, I feel like now, with the because so many more kids are uh, allergic to peanuts, like it's become such a thing now that it wasn't as big when we were kids. Now, everybody, just to be safe, I feel like everybody just buys that really boring uh, box where it's like there's Smarties, Kit Kat, Coffee Crisp, and Arrow because they're all peanut free. And it's like <laughs> they used those things used to be cool when you get them when we were trick-or-treating but now it's like they're so they're just the standard they're like 
the most plain as plain can get. That when you get yeah. them, you're like, oh, that's a plain. Exactly. <laughs> uh, they need to start coming out with like some crazy candies that are like the and that can really give the kids some memories that they can talk about for years to come. Hundred percent. Remember, they had. You don't see them anymore. They had, I think, lifesavers, lollipops. Yes. Remember those? Yeah, those were a big deal. They were bigger than the normal lollipops, and they were nicer. They tasted nicer. So it's like you look at the little crappy little yellow one that looks like on a stick, and like, move over. I got, <laughs> a, I got a big one. Or like Jolly Rancher made lollipops too. Like those. What was what was the hidden treasure candy that you got? Like someone one one house gave you something that no one else gave you, and you were just like, "What the hell?" It's <laughs> a great question. I feel like there was a chocolate bar that I I had never seen before, and it was like such a I think, I think it was crackle because you don't find crackle bars that often. Somebody gave me all those little crackle bars, and I was so just intrigued by this chocolate bar that I, I didn't even want to eat it for the longest time. I'm just like, man, where did this come from? I've never seen this before. <laughs> if I eat it, it's gone. I'm never going to find it again. Uh, but one person gave me a bag of chips, just a small bag of chips. I can't remember what the brand was, but it must have been recycled um, plastic that they used to make the bag of chips. Because when I opened it on the inside, instead of being silver, it was the design of another different bag of chips. And what? it blew my mind that I, I finished the chips and I cut the thing open. I'm looking at it and I'm like, I've never seen this before. And I've never seen it since. What did you find? What treasures did, did you find? There is two. There is two. There is someone would give me a fruit by the foot. Don't know how. Don't know why. <laughs> I don't know how they'd afforded giving that many away to kids, but man. Whoever did, whew, they were living a good life because I was shocked oh, when I saw fruit by the foot in my candy bag. Uh, and the other one was Hubba Bubba gum tape. Oh, wow. Yeah. There's always like, I feel like when you dump the bag at the end of the night, there's always one thing that stood out. There's always the one hidden treat that you're just yeah. like, what the hell? <laughs> oh, I miss trick-or-treating so much, man. I wish we could Yeah, do it it's not the same. I'm going to go this year. I don't care. I'm going to go knock <laughs> on that door. You might see me get arrested on the news, but I don't care. I'm going to the tree. If you, got, if you get one candy out of it, it'll be worth it. Exactly. And if anybody's giving out those Reese ghosts, we're talking. Yeah, yeah that's the stuff. So, werewolf by night, six stones all around. Good stuff. we got another special coming in a month. we got Black Panther coming in a couple weeks. we got Black Panther coming in two weeks. Two whole weeks away from Namor and his friends coming to Wakanda for a totally friendly chat and some tea, and nothing else is going to happen. Namor's just going to have tea with Wakanda. He'd be like, I'm from the water. He'd be like, I'm from Wakanda, and we have like rain in here. He'd be like, cool, and you're not going to play it at all. And it's just two hours of that, and I will be satisfied. Just remember that Namor may not be the main villain. That's true. I mean, if we're getting a Tuma, we know a Tuma is bad news. So, but uh, I'm I'm glad we got to do a Halloween special before that. I think the timing for it all worked out perfectly. 
And I hope uh, I hope you have a happy Halloween, right? Do you have any plans? What are you going to do on Halloween? Uh, there's a there's a dog costume party that's uh, going on in our area, and we got Cabbage a Chucky costume that we are giving him. It's going to be pretty funny. He hates it. He hates it. The second you put on the wig, he hates it. Please send me a picture of him dressed as Chucky. <laughs> I will. I definitely will. Oh, what about you, awesome. sir? Uh, originally, I was going to be working on Halloween because it falls on a Monday night. Um, but a lot of the kids, obviously, you know, they're trick or treating. And I have younger kids that night, so they don't want to go to acting class and they trick or treating. Totally get it. So I think the, the night's uh, been canceled at work. So I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm probably just going to walk around and just take in the sights and sounds and smells of Halloween. Um, if I can't trick or treat, I can at least watch other people have fun. That way. Maybe I'll just bring candy with me and walk around. You should. I you think know. you should. That sounds yeah. actually really nice. Yeah. Just, just taking in the beautiful autumn nights before the, the cold snap takes over next month. But that has been how many videos you watch Halloween special. Boom! Did I get you? Did I get you? I got you a little bit. I think I almost got you. Ryan, where can the people find you when you are not scaring the crap out of them or watching paranormal activity? As always, you can find me on twitch.tv forward slash Xbox Canada streaming the latest and greatest games on 12.30 to 2.30. Uh, and then you can also find me on Instagram at Ryan J. Whitehead. And you can find me on Twitter at Crusader Online. And I will also be there on Twitter and Instagram at Andrew Fantasia. And uh, you can't find me on Twitch because I, I, don't, I don't do the Twitch. But you can probably find me walking around on Halloween somewhere um begging strangers for candy maybe i'm carrying a jack-o-lantern maybe i'm eating a, a crackle bar and wondering where the hell i can find more of them um but uh, i promise i'm not a rogue. so you can approach me and say hello i will not invite you to friends but i'm usually friendly on that one especially by a that has been infinity Legends halloween special we'll see you all next time until then Everybody have a very scary and marvelous thing. <laughs>